Welcome to Outreach Church. Thanks for checking out this week's message. To hear more, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or visit OutreachChurch.net for downloads and service information. Thanks so much. Wow. I'm glad he told that Turkish story, Carl, because I was sitting there so emotional. I was, I was still weeping from that little moment when that word came forth. I didn't turn around and look when hands rose, but obviously some hands came up. I don't know how many. Was there a handful? There was a lot of hands. I think that's why I was weeping, and it's no, no bad reflection on people that raised their hands. I'm, I'm glad you're honest. But uh, don't hear this wrong if you raised your hand. I, I want us to grow in such understanding that, that, that we could never raise our hand again. Because if that's true, you're going to live more productive and have a consciousness and a confidence to go closer to Jesus than never before. And you're going to weigh your identity based on what he accomplished instead of what you've produced or failed to produce. And uh, I want to talk to you about a couple things like that because that word came forth, man. I just sat down and it was hard not to lose it because I, I, I felt what you were saying, Trey, in the room and I was like, wow. Here's the thing of the cross that we have to understand. The cross was never designed to expose your sin and and say, sinner. The cross was designed to remove your sin and say, you're worth what I'm doing right now because there's more to you than you realize. See, and that's the gospel I was never taught my entire life. And when you go to preach it, sometimes the room gets quiet, depends where I travel, because people almost think, can that be right? Can that be right? Listen, we have to understand that Jesus had to die because we sinned. We were sinners. We all sinned. We all fell short of the glory of God. But when Jesus came, he came to to pay the price and redeem and restore what we were created to be and what we were intended to be from the beginning. So when you have any trace of condemnation in your life, any trace, you will never taste the victory of the cross and walk in the freedom of what he accomplished. Because it's never about condemnation. Because condemnation actually means my life is worthy to be judged. Guilt means I'm not forgiven. Shame means it's still me. Think with me. And when you shared that word, and I saw tears in his eyes, and I thought, man, he's feeling this in his heart. The heart of God wants us redeemed and delivered. Look, while we were yet sinners, he sent the Son. He, he saw everything and still came. He's not shocked by your history. He's not shocked by where you've been and what you've done. And, and yet somebody in this room could be here feeling the way that was portrayed and proclaimed, and yet you're still here. See, when your heart starts caring, when you start having a cry inside, when you start wanting change, that means you're changing. That means there's something about you crying out for something different. And what we do is we, we weigh our value based on what we performed instead of our value based on what we created to be. And grace wants to take you to what you're created to be. But we identify through our own performance or lack thereof, and then we have a low identity, a low esteem as an individual, either in Christ or just in lies. And then what happens is condemnation keeps driving you and, and, and teaching you this low value and you live up to the low level that you see yourself. And the whole time your heart's crying out and feels like it's dying and getting constricted inside because you want more. And after a while you believe you're not more. And some people grow weary in this thing and they just cycle and get tormented and it's terrible. The whole past, the whole thing that happened. Listen, we have to understand that God called you out of darkness into the light. He sanctified your life. When He comes into your understanding, He causes you to dive to everything you ever were. Everything that ever happened to you. People say, yeah, but you still have emotions. You still have remembrances. You still have ways that that stuff affected you. No, the gospel is the truth. It changes you. The gospel wants to change your view, your eyes your outlook on life and change everything and no more do you look it doesn't want you to look and resent people and hate people and dread people wants you to look and see them like Jesus sees them and say man if they really knew who they were if they really understand why they're here they wouldn't live the way they're living say what they're saying and doing what they're doing and in that day they'll no longer decide your life because your life's decided by him You can't change what was. 
but you can change what is. He took away your past to give you the present and the future. And it's imperative that you never look back. Never look back and identify to what was. Ever. Jesus talked about it. He said, remember Lot's wife. And he talked about it. And the the cool part is, we're not Lot's wife, we're his. So we ought to not look back, we ought to look up to whence comes our help. See, when Lot's wife looked back, it froze her. And she got frozen between where she came from and where she was going. And she was stuck right there at the place she looked back. That's what happens to Christians. It's not because they're evil, it's not because they're wicked. They're living by their feelings, they're living by their memories, their impressions, their flashbacks, and not the truth. And then we get trapped ministering to everybody's feelings and fail to live by faith. Come on, if he called you out of darkness, he called you out of darkness. If he delivered you from the power of darkness, then he delivered you. At what point do you stand strong when nobody's around? Walk out in a field, take a walk in the woods, walk through your house, sit in your car, lift your hands high and declare that he has delivered you. If you're waiting to feel better, you're deceived. You only do as good as you're feeling today. But if you ever do as good as you're believing and you're believing the truth, the truth makes you free. I'm serious. Listen, the cross itself tells you you're worthy. The cross itself says you ought to chin up and get encouraged. The fact that he died for you and me while we were yet sinners is suggesting that there's more to my life than what I failed in. There's more to my life than the cycles that had grabbed me. There's more to my life than what I failed to produce. When Jesus is hanging on that tree saying, forgive them, Father, they know not what they do. What he's saying is they don't know who they are. But I know them from the beginning, and I'm paying the price to get them back to that place. This gospel redeems your life. Listen, the cross was never intended to expose your sin. It's not sinner, sinner, sinner. He came to save that, not who, that which was lost. He's not talking about a drunk in a back alley. He's talking about something that got lost when Adam sinned. And what was lost was your created value, his image in you, your destiny, your heritage in the Lord, the legacy you're called to. That got lost through sin. He was made to be what we were so we could become what he is. He got tacked, the lie got tacked on him so the truth could come on us. He was beat beyond description. You couldn't even recognize who he was. Why? When sin got done with man, he didn't look anything like he was created to be. So Jesus came and lost his appearance so we could get our identity back. It's so powerful. He was separated so we could forever be joined. He died so we'll forever live. Do you get it? It's a good thing. It's good news. It's the gospel. It's not sinner, sinner, sinner. It's sons and daughters. You don't know who you are. If you knew who you were, you wouldn't live the way you're living. That's what the cross is saying. And it's the goodness of God, not the reprimand of God. That leadeth men to change. That's mm, what's wrong with me. I'm serious. June will be 21 years. And I ain't going nowhere from this place. I don't know where else I would go. This dear lady over here, she said, she was so sweet. She said, don't you ever let this go away. Don't you ever, this is helping. This is, don't you ever lose this. I said, I wouldn't know how. You would have to get your eyes totally off of what you know. Somehow you'd have to let something get so internalized. You'd have to make it all about you and how you feel to slip away from what I'm seeing. And I just don't even know how it would be possible at this point. I feel like he crosses you across lines of no return. The truth makes you free. And he who the Son Sets free. See, I'm not riding a cloud. I'm not riding an emotion. I'm living a truth that will never change. And heaven and earth is passing away. But my word remains. I'm living by his word. Not my feelings and not your actions. (sighs) Yeah. It's a pretty good place to live, man. 
Listen, that condemnation thing, it's just, it's just, it's just ripping up on me. We're going to look at two, three scriptures. We'll be out of here in a good time. My, my whole goal on a Sunday morning, we got children's church, we got families, we got the whole point of a Sunday morning is just to be sharpened, stay focused, what God's saying, you know, yay, look around, be encouraged. We're a team, we're an army, we're running a race. And you leave here just looking a little more like him than when you came, just a little closer to him than when you came. Just increasing and edifying and glory to glory. Amen? So it's just Sunday morning to me. It's just, we're not paying homage to God. (laughs) We're here to stir up in love and good works and go out of here with a clearer focus and and a strong understanding stand rooted and grounded and founded. Amen? And why we're here. So, uh, I want you to look real quick with me. Wow, I'm right here and didn't even have a clue. That's amazing. I just popped open my Bible. That was one of those moments where Colossians chapter 1, it just went right there. If I really get spiritual on you, say, God wants me to read this. <laughs> I'm glad because I was going <laughs> to. Just, just, sometimes you have good things in your heart and he blesses it. Sometimes he tells you what to do. It's true. You know, you know what's cool? The Bible says no man is tempted by God. No man. God's not leading any man and tempting man to, to, with sin. He's, he's, he's not putting it in front of anybody to see what, you, what you'll do. He's testing and tempting no man with sin. Isn't that, isn't that refreshing? So he, he's not waking up going, I wonder if they're really for me. I'm watching to see how you choose that thing. It says man is only tempted when he's drawn away by his own lusts and his own desires. Wonder if he changes them. Wonder if my fellowship and communion with God changes my desires. Wonder if he puts a brand new thing in me called new life, born again. So it sounds like, it sounds like sin is a choice of the flesh. Not a mandate that I was born into, that I'm compelled by, that I have to fall to now that I'm saved. And when you talk like this, it freaks people out. And I want to smash it with the word so hard this morning, you have no idea how hard I'm going to smash this thing. I feel it. I mean, I'm swinging a hammer today. Because I hear this stuff over and over. Well, yeah, but nobody's perfect, but we're always going to sin. What are you saying? You're perfect? You don't ever sin? So what are you saying? You don't sin? And we're on a track that the devil has us trapped on because when you talk that way, it's a constant, constant consciousness of sin, your ability to sin, your ability to fail. And we never let grace and righteousness and truth have its way and become what's possible. We sell ourselves cheap and we think it's a tone of humility and it's actually total deception. We think we're supposed to boast in our ability to fail and that somehow exalts God. He told us we're seated with Him in heavenly places. We're to come up hither. As He is, so are we in this world. And the things I do, you'll do if you believe. He said, follow me, not admire me. (laughs) I barely even picked up the hammer yet, Roy. (laughs) I'm going to smile the whole way while I swing it too. (laughs) Listen, I've seen too much sin consciousness in my life in in Christ and and guilt and stuff crush sincere hearts. People that actually care. People that cry. What they do, they identify with their failure more than what he accomplished. And see, even if you're in an addiction and you're bound and, you're, and, and this word that came forth and you feel like you're so unworthy to even stand in His presence. No, you have to understand the only reason anyone is standing in His presence because the blood said so. There's no one here that got cleaned up to step in. There's no one here that changed so much that they qualified and passed. But guilt and condemnation, it it speaks to you in a way that keeps you 
out of the loop, keeps you separated in your heart saying, I want in, but you can't believe you can be, but you're still hanging around, you're still doing church, and then you might even, well, I'll serve in the ministry, and I'll try to work it off. And all of a sudden, we're doing something for God because we're convicted in our heart and believe the gospel, but we don't see ourselves for how He sees us. So now we're doing something for God instead of being in Him and with Him. And now we live at a distance, but do things in his name. That's why the cycle continues. It's not a spirit of addiction like we always think. You don't need a devil caster. It's wrong believing. It's you believing less than what the cross says you are. Almost every pattern you can follow in human life that's, that's degrading and, and demeaning and, and, and lowered out is because there's an esteem that's not established. There's a, there's a crushed identity. There's a low value in that individual. I say it all the time. You know, men, they, 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 even, do a, they even do surveys and it's sad. I hope it's not correct. But they say like this large percent of pastors and ministers actually behind the scenes are dipping into pornography and bound by it and view it now and then. And it just freaks me out to even think that because it's men that don't know who they are. They're writing their identity through being called a pastor. But imagine the torment if they're doing that and preaching. They know it. And it's just eating them alive. And then they believe they're this fake and this hypocrite. So they get identified with all these things through these actions. But yet they're preaching these actions. (sighs) Just tears me to pieces. Because if you're trapped in a bondage like that, it's because you don't know who you are. You don't see the value of your life, so you're feeding something that's supposed to die. You're fueling something that's not a part of who you are in Him. And it's totally flesh-driven, it's total fantasy, it's total deception. And when you feed in that realm, you get full in that realm, and it suppresses you spiritually, and it grays you out, and you just feel like... And then we get mad at those people and judge those people and and get offended by those people. They're in the biggest trouble of their life. We say, well, you need to knock it off. You need to change. You need to stay back. Well, what are you doing now? Well, God's mad. Well, the devil has you gripped it. And we're trying to force them into changing like some military way. Are you kidding me? Until we change their belief and they separate from what they've done and they start looking up and cry out to him for mercy and believe their life is worth more than what they've done. Only then does grace come and change you. Are you guys all right? Am I a little too intense? I'm trying to say it as calm as I can. It really feels this way to me. God loves us. Jesus didn't hang on on the cross and give his life so we stay subdued by condemnation and live in the regret of yesterday. People, he did not get buried in the ground and raised from the dead for your justification so you could live unjustified. (gasps) And the reason it's so important is that you live this way, it, it raises a healthy God confidence in you, expression in you, causes you to walk in the light as he's in the light. Anything else is a gray zone. Anything else is non-productive. Anything else keeps your former emotional pattern and your former way of thinking alive. Jesus wants to change it all. Guys, we are so worthy of his blood to him. And I am not afraid to proclaim that with any recorder or anything running. God so loved that he gave. It didn't say, for God was so at wit's end and frustrated and disgusted with humanity that he finally pushed the button and sent his son. Yes, he loves us, Roy. (laughs) Look, verse 21 of Colossians 1, and you, you, he's talking about you. Me too. (laughs) And you, who were once alienated, an enemy, ever feel alienated from God? You know what alienates us from God? Look, by the way your mind works. 
He paid every price necessary to make you one with him, and yet Christians live estranged from him. They see their need for a savior, they believe they've sinned, they believe in the blood, they believe in forgiveness, but yet they stay guilty, they stay condemned, they still strive in the flesh and try to accomplish something that's already finished. Instead of stepping into what he finished and running and starting and running where he finished, bam! They try to do something he's already done. What separated us and alienated us from God was the way our minds worked. He wants our minds renewed. He wants us thinking different. He wants us seeing through grace and mercy. Some pastors are so afraid to preach this because they think it keeps sin alive. Are you kidding me? It kills sin. I didn't find a way to sin and get away with it. I found a way to be free. And all of a sudden, I look in the mirror and love who I've become. Not because I'm some handsome guy by the world standard, because I'm not. I don't even care about the world standard. Are you kidding me? I'm alive inside. I'm alive inside. I'm not trying to keep up and compare and be as handsome as Roy. I couldn't. (laughs) Bless God if he is. But I'll tell you what. I'm alive inside. Yeah, and I go to bed at night, and there's peace in my heart. And when I close my eyes, I sleep. And when I wake up, we do it all over again. Isn't that awesome? For the rest of my life. And nothing can change that unless I get my eyes off of this and my eyes on that. Wow. Unless I shift gears and make it about me. Just for a moment, start feeling a little sorry for myself. Wish it was different. Wish they didn't say. Wish they would think. All of a sudden, I let some old things start slowly sneaking in and insecurity. And now I need you to encourage me. And now I need you to believe and say the right things about me. And now I'm a little wondering why why you would say that because that's not in my heart. And then I muse on it for two days and I get a little insecure. (sighs) See, if you don't know who you are, all that stuff will matter more. you don't know who you are, you're subject to something's going to define you. And it won't be him if your eyes aren't fixed. That was so fitting. You gave that word, young man. And then they lifted their voice and sang, turn your eyes to Jesus. It was ridiculous. That was ridiculous. I, I, I was falling apart. I said, Lord, I'm not going to I'm be no good. I'm going to cry my way through this and be just, it's going to be messy. And then he told the turkey story and I got better. (laughs) Thanks, Carl. You came through, brother. That's awesome. No problem, Dan. (laughs) Love you too, man. (laughs) And you, you and me, who were once alienated enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he reconciled. Wicked works, it's amazing how we always think that's murder and adultery. Wicked works is just thinking for yourself, just living at the expense of others, just making life what it wasn't intended to be. Anything outside of his will and his kingdom wouldn't be cool, right? Come on. Do you love the things of the world, right? The love of God isn't in you. The world, it says that the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Wicked works is just living to be somebody. Just living to be noticed. Just living for esteem and reputation. It's the opposite of Jesus. He made himself none and we all seek one. Isn't that amazing? People want to be popular. People want to be famous. I used to think that would be cool. Now I want to be like him. I learned that being like him is what's going to matter more. Being like him is actually gets noticed without you trying to be noticed. You can't even... Isn't it amazing? We were laughing about this. Roy teases me. He calls me YouTube sensation. He teases because he knows it tears me up. Because I don't even own a computer. I never put myself on the computer. I wouldn't even know how. I wouldn't even know how to find me on there. But they said I'm on there. And I don't know who put me there. 
and I don't know who organized things, and I don't know who put things in categories, and I don't have a clue who took the time to do all that, but somebody did. That's a better testimony than me slapping myself out there, saying, boy, I hope people watch me preach. Maybe I'll get a few invites. I've never asked for an invite. You know, I used to get about 400 a year or plus. I had 400 since September invites. That's ridiculous. Friends that I know that travel, they said that doesn't even make sense. Most of them are calling former relationships and going back to places to fill schedules. I've been getting 20 a week since September. I never asked to go anywhere. I didn't put my name out there. A pastor called me and challenged me in some things on healing because he didn't believe what I'm preaching, so he wanted to, he wanted to do a certain thing, and, and he wanted to video it, and he wanted to bring some folks in to contest and share their opinions, and it was a messy, ugly, it would have been a bad thing. They don't even realize they'd have been hurting the kingdom of God so bad because they were going to take anybody that didn't get healed and make a doctrine out of it and blast the will of God to heal. And it was just sad, and I, I talked to him about it a little. And then, and I didn't know, I didn't know this guy, and I didn't know what he was up to, and I didn't even know why, and I just called him back. And then he said, well, but if you got this gift, and I said, what, why is it always a gift, sir? And he said, well, it says in the Bible there's gifts. And I said, well, yeah, but it says in the Bible that believers will live this way. I said, are you a believer? Do you live this way? Are you a believer? Why don't you live this way? doesn't say these signs shall follow those that are gifted. These signs will follow those that believe. And he got real quiet and we got talking and he realized that I didn't know why he, that he was challenging me with this. He, he realized I called him back innocently, ignorantly, and just called him back sincerely because he made a comment and said, well, if you don't want people pursuing you and you don't want to do something, because I said, if I do something like this and, and, and my miracle's recorded, then guess what every sick person does? They try to track who down? The person, because God's flowing through them. Boy, he's a river. You've got to go where the river's running, buddy. You better get there. And everybody's strong into one person. They say, well, they did that to Jesus. Yeah, because he was the only one. Now we're the body of Christ. And I told him that, and he said, well, if you don't want that, you shouldn't put yourself all over YouTube. <laughs> See how presumptuous we can be? Yeah. And assume and don't even have a clue. Yeah. He has no idea the heart he's talking to on the phone. He's just categorizing me with whatever he believes about men. And I said, sir, I don't even know how I get on YouTube. Sir, I don't even own a computer. I am zero responsible for any videos on YouTube. And he got silent. And I said, somehow they got all over the place because somebody seems to think it's a good thing. And he, he humbled himself, he repented and apologized on the phone for his attitude and we hung up in a good way. It was, it was sweet. If I had any other motive for being out there on that thing, that would have been a debate, a contention, and we wouldn't even have been brothers. There would have been no redemption in the conversation. We'd have just hung up at odds. We'd have had our different camps and our different troops. Never be one. Oh. See, here's the deal, guys. We've got nothing to prove. We've got the joy of becoming everything he created us to be. And the just shall live by. Not circumstances, not feelings, and not others' opinions. Just you and Jesus, knowing who he is in you, knowing who you've become, is a very good day. I've got to do something here. I'm going to run out of time. We were alienated and enemies, yet now he reconciled us in the body of his flesh. So a minute ago, a second ago, we were enemies by the way we thought. He, he, he took to himself to making it right by putting himself on the cross. So he reconciled us through his death. He didn't say your thinking changed. He said, he reconciled you through his death. Isn't that amazing? Is it up there? Isn't this amazing? 
Yet now he has reconciled you in the fleshly body through death in order to present you before him. Look at this. If you don't start where he finished, a second ago you were enemies and thinking wrong. He said, ah, they're more than that. They have greater potential. While they're yet sinners, I'll send the sun. I'll call them out of darkness into the light. I'll deliver them. I'll make them free. I'll set them apart in the world, not of the world. I'll change their mind. This is amazing. Look what he's doing through his death. To present you before him. Before him. Holy, blameless, and beyond reproach. Ah. <laughs> A second ago, I was thinking wrong, Merle, I wasn't good. And I was alienated, and he says, boom, Jesus crucified, death, burial, resurrection, justification through faith. So what the cross tells me is, wow, even though I've been thinking wrong, living wrong, producing wrong, hurting folks, making a mess, he thinks more of me and knows there's more about my life. So this cross is not, I forgive you. This cross is, hey, that's not who you are. I want to transform you. I know the truth about you. You've been living a lie. I'm the truth. Come to me and find life. Somehow we made this forgiveness of sins and passports to heaven. If you don't know where you're going and you die tonight, where would you go and you don't know? Pray this prayer with me. Jesus didn't preach the gospel that way. Forgive me for being that bold and blatant about it. That is not the motive of the gospel to take you to heaven someday. The gospel is to get the lie off of you, get heaven back into you, because the kingdom of God is here. It is not a passport to heaven. You can pray that prayer and stay selfish, mean, and angry and have no disposition that reveals Christ. But you prayed the prayer and you're going to heaven and people call you a Christian and they say, boy, Christianity ain't cool. You're just as mad as your neighbor and they don't even believe in God. You're just as frustrated as the man that's an atheist and you think he needs what you got. This is more than a confession. It's a change of life. And he comes through a clear eye. You want to put something up there for me? No, this is good. Well, uh, put, put Romans 6. We're going to go to Romans 6. You want to do that for me? I'd appreciate it. You're holy, blameless, and above reproach. In fact, if you still have that scripture up there, and I can put some pressure on you, you're good up there with that thing. I know you are. If that was me sitting there, you would never get the words. I'd be up there praying in tongues and believing I'm hitting the right buttons and you'd say, he ain't that spiritual. <laughs> the next verse says, it says you're holy, blameless, and above reproach in his sight. Verse 23 says, if indeed you continue believing it. If you continue in the faith. See, the verse right before ended holy, blameless, and above reproach. If indeed... Do you see how important it is for you to live by faith and not feelings and not identify yourself through failure and actions? See, when somebody has a heart to do right, the temptation is that when you don't do right and you stumble in life, that you judge yourself based on your stumble and you take your eyes off of what gave you the opportunity to do right. And instead of keeping your eyes on him and running to him, you revert to Adam and Eve's method and you get naked, ashamed, hide and cover your own sins. By either getting in denial, pull away, you know, don't want to let anybody know. It's just crazy what we do. And it it feels right, and it's the way that seemeth right, but it never produces life, people. If indeed you continue in the faith. So what happens when I fail? People say, don't you ever fail? Don't you ever sin? And it's amazing how sin conscious we've been trained to be. And I say, I I don't even know if that's a healthy question. Because if I talk to you about my life, it might be hard for a lot of people to understand what I'm saying. Because actually, we weren't designed to be sin waiting to happen. We're not waiting for the minute we need the blood. And we're not like, wow, thank you, you shed your blood because I sure need it. We're not even supposed to be thinking that way. I'm going to show you that in the Bible. We're supposed to be thinking Him, righteousness, kingdom, saved, clean, washed, white as snow, holy, blameless, above reproach. If I'm thinking that way, guess what I'm producing? 
He empowers me to live that way without me trying. And righteousness begins to produce holiness without me trying to be holy. Wow. Why? Because I start becoming what I see. And if I just relate to man's frailty and man's weakness, no, let the weak say I'm strong and let's let Jesus make a difference. Don't tell me I'm sin waiting to happen. It's unscriptural. I'm a son in the making. And Christ in me, the hope of glory. See, because if I do stumble, see, that's not the stronghold of my life. That's not my concern. My concern is not believing. My concern is not living by faith. My concern is being deceived and getting condemned and not walking in grace. Because when I stumble, if I stumble, not when, if. He said, and if you sin, not when you sin. What he's saying is, don't be discouraged. Don't give up. Don't fall backwards. You have an advocate. He's in heaven. He's Jesus the righteous. Is he giving an excuse for sin? He's saying, no, you're never crushed by it. Keep getting up and say this kind of stuff. Father, I thank you for the revelation in my life. Man, that's not who I am and who you created me to be. I realize I just went there with my thoughts, my emotions. I gave myself to those words. God, that so ripped me when it came out of my mouth because I realize and know that is not my destiny. Father, thank you for washing me and cleansing me and making me sharper and wiser and now even closer to you because no one has ever loved me and empowered me the way you do. God, my eyes are fixed on you. Where a month ago, you wouldn't have even noticed what you did because you weren't filled with this truth. That sure beats hiding. That sure beats fig leaves. Watch this. If indeed, so here's your part, here's my part. This is why I'm teaching this thing, man. Because a lot of people raised their hands, Roy said. I didn't turn around. I don't want you to ever have to raise your hand again. I want you so separated and so sanctified and so unveiled and so before Him that when nobody's around, you have confidence before the Lord. Not just talking about Him at a coffee table, but sitting on your bed and communing with Him and welcoming Him and knowing Holy Spirit loves you and wants to be there with you. That's a fun day right there. Yeah? And when you're living in that place, how can sin sneak up on you? How can you be in that place and then say, oh, I'm going to peek at this? I say this stuff, people get a little uncomfortable because a lot of stuff's went down in our lives. It's impossible. It's impossible to be in fellowship with God and have union and commune with God and slip into adultery, sleep with somebody else's wife, and do all the crazy stuff that happens in the church. It proves that we don't know Him like we sing. And the reason we don't know Him like we sing because prior, pri- primarily we don't see ourselves like He sees us. So we don't have boldness to approach Him and receive mercy and grace and become one with His heart. Because his heart is not distracted. His heart is is not having unresolved with his people. So he's looking for another people. That's what we do. Things ain't working for us. So we browse. Love never fails. Say, well, I just don't love him anymore. Probably never did in the first place then, huh? probably just needed them and were just benefiting from the relationship for a season. You weren't getting what you thought you were going to, so I guess I'll move on. Happens all the time, and it's not wrong to talk about it. It's important you don't get condemned by it if that's been your situation. Just get a revelation or it'll repeat and repeat, and all you're going to do is try to find somebody that suits you instead of live a life of love. And you're only going to be as good as they're doing you. And you're going to find in time that you were all alone, a seed that never died. And you might have been in all the right places, singing all the right songs, but never became what you were intended to be. Don't you let that happen to you. Listen, I'm going to drive home. I'm going to leave here today. Life's going to stay good. It can't change now. It just get better. And if I'm really sincere and believe what I'm saying, I would cry this way out to you because you're going to wake up tomorrow probably too. And if you don't, you'll be standing before him. So either way, it's probably good to talk like this. (laughs) If indeed you continue in the faith, firmly established. See, it's not just, oh, I believe. Firmly established. This thing has to become the only thing... You allow yourself to see. 
He loves me. He's for me. He's not against me. He washed me clean. He sanctified me and set me apart from sin. You camp there, you'll live there. You'll manifest fruit there. Steadfast, not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard. Well, I know Roy's preaching it. I don't know where all of you are from, but I'm making sure you've heard it if you never did before. Which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven in which I, Paul, was made a minister. So do you see that in the body of his flesh he reconciled you and made you friends with God? If indeed you continue in the faith believing it and don't let anything change your mind? Could you put up Romans 6 for me? And I'll close with this and we'll be done. Who's ever heard people say, yeah, but brother, we're always going to sin. Well, nobody's perfect. Well, what are you saying? You don't sin? Isn't that the language that you hear in the church all the time? When people preach on living free from sin in the sense of their consciousness, we right away make it works in flesh and we shut down the message right away. And then preachers will quote 1 John out of context. 1 John, well, if you say you have no sin... You're deceived and the truth's not in you. So they'll teach that to a congregation that's facing them, just like you are. And they'll say that real strong. And then you'll hear a fellow like me on YouTube and a red flag will flop and you go, oh my God, if you say you have this in this guy, he's a... And you'll shut it off. Because we preach things out of context. We take one little line and make a doctrine out of it. And it doesn't even say that in 1 John. In fact... Would you be patient with me? <laughs> Would you go to 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 and be patient with me? I appreciate it. Thanks, man. He says, what choice do I have? You've been preaching on love. <laughs> 1 John chapter five, uh, 1, verse 5. Oh, thank you, man. See, he's good. This is the message that we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Where does he live? Where's God? Woohoo! Good, Bob. <laughs> if we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, remember I just said it's impossible to have fellowship with him and sleep with somebody's wife. You say, well, it just snuck up on me, it just happened in the moment. Now, if you're in fellowship with God, the moment can't happen. Every man's drawn away by his own lusts and desires. So wonder if fellowship with God changes my desires. Yeah. Yay. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship, co-union, koinonia, with one another, and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from... So now he's talking about the cross, the blood of Jesus. Watch. If we say we have no sin, what's he talking about? If we say we have no need for the blood. People quote this one-liner. If we, they, they teach it as if we always have sin. So the verse before said you're cleansed from all sin. How can you be cleansed from all sin and still have it? People say, Dan, we're always going to sin. We, 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 I'm probably sinning right now. I had people tell me that. I'm like, get born again. Pray with me. Come on, fire of God. <laughs> The blood of Jesus cleanses us, cleanses us from what? All sin. If we say we have no sin, we're deceived. So then we never step into the place of being forgiven and cleansed. Because we're saying we don't need the blood. We're good in and of ourselves. We're not recognizing sin. We're saying what sin? You'll see he's saying this because in verse 10, he clarifies it in verse 9. But if we confess our sin, that's getting saved. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us. So now you're cleansed of all sin, you're forgiven, and look, it gets better. And, no, back up a sec. It's all right. I told you to stay with me and be aggressive, but you're, you're more aggressive than I feel right now. He said, he said to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from how much? All. Oh. 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 If I'm cleansed of all unrighteousness, what remains? Righteousness. 
In three verses, I've been cleansed of all sin, cleansed of all unrighteousness, and forgiven. And you think he's telling us we're always sinning? Wow. Verse 10, he clarifies verse 8. If we say we have not, there's the key. If we say we have no need of the cross, then we're deceived and the truth's not in us. If we say if we're not sinned, then we're making him a liar and his word isn't in us. Now watch this. Next verse, it's chapter 2, verse 1. Chapter 2, verse 1. It's coming. You can feel it. Oh, it's going to be so good. The wait is worth it. It's good, man. Take your time. Let them just simmer in it. It's like a crock pot. Right now, it's a spiritual crock pot, man. We don't... Oh! See what you are? It's not my little wayward, failing often classroom. No. My little children. I am writing these things to you so you may not sin. Does that sound like this language? Well, you know we're always going to sin. Well, nobody's perfect. What are you saying? You don't sin? Does it sound like he even understands that language? Why is he writing these things? So you may not sin. Watch. And when you sin. Oh, he doesn't say that. Wow. And if anyone sins... Sounds like sin is a choice of your flesh. It sounds like if you live in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the... And when you preach that, it freaks people out because they identify with failure and for some reason find this uncomfortable, comfortable place identifying with sin. I have not sin waiting to happen. I'm a son being made manifest. Father loves me. I have no desire to miss him in my heart. So if I would, I wouldn't fall apart and get condemned. I would run to him all the more. Trust him all the more. Stay humble and sober and realize my need for grace all the more. Yeah? So I guess the days of hiding and fig leaves are over. I guess guilt, condemnation, and shame aren't in the tool belt of God. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Now watch, this is why you can pray for an unbeliever and they can be healed on the streets. Because mercy triumphs over judgment, blood speaking better things. And he himself is the propitiation, the mercy for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. Now, now that's okay. We'll just stop right there, but watch this. And you can go to that Romans 6 and I promise we're going there now. Forgive me. So, so... When he says, and also for the sins of the whole world, that's where people come up with the theology where everybody's saved, everybody's good, everybody's covered. You still have to repent. You still have to become brand new. You still have to die to the old man. You still have to get born again. But here's the deal. There's mercy triumphing over judgment, and the blood of Jesus is speaking better things. So you can walk up to an unbeliever and see the power of God heal their body. How else did Jesus heal the multitudes before he even shed his blood? There's mercy triumphing over judgment. It was the goodness of God. Isn't that amazing? Job. Romans 6. We'll just do the board, man. Watch this. He says this. Here's what he says. What shall we say then? Why does he say, what shall we say then? He says, what shall we say then? Because he ended the chapter 5, a couple verses above the end, and he said, where sin abounded, grace did abound, what? Much more. Now watch. Not to empower and just cover over sin. It's not like God says, oh, everything's cool. I'm just bigger than your sin. I know how it is, guys. It's weird. No. Where where sin abounds and grace abounds more, here's what happens. The more sin abounds, the farther you're drifting off into darkness, the more the love of God longs for you and pursues you, and grace abounds more to save you and rescue you because He knows the truth about you. You're lost. He's not. And He reaches for you. He'll leave 99 to save one because He knows you're more than where you're hanging. You see? 
So grace abounds all the more. So where sin abounds, grace is all the more reaching and all the more searching and longing to draw a heart back to him. He doesn't get repulsed and say, well, if they want to go that far, fine. Come on, isn't that what we've done? Haven't we cut people off? Haven't we given up? Haven't we said if they don't change by now, they're never going to change? The grace of God doesn't do that. When sin abounds, grace abounds even more and reaches all the farther to get them. Why? Because he knows the truth about them. And he shed his blood to redeem their purpose and destiny, not just to forgive their mess. The blood of Jesus is more than forgiving your mess, people. It's restoring your destiny and your created value. It's so you can put on Christ. Yay. And somehow we've taught it as a self-serving thing to take me to heaven if I die because of the fear of death. So, of course, you'll pray that prayer. I wonder if the preacher's right. Might as well pray the prayer. So I said it yesterday. Now you're 42. You've never been back to church, but you prayed that prayer in the store with some man or in a parking lot, and you prayed it just to pray it, and you prayed it just to get away from him because you thought maybe he'd try to take you to church. But everybody's crying at your funeral, and you're 42. At least he prayed that prayer 22 years ago. I wrote it on the calendar. The goal is not you praying that prayer. The goal is new life through Jesus Christ. Yeah. What shall we say then? Question. Are we to continue in sin so that grace may abound? The reason I'm reading this is to attack and crush and destroy this stuff that we say like, well, what, are you perfect? Well, you're never going to sin. What are you saying? You don't sin? What are you saying? You're perfect? What are you saying? You don't have to sin? We're always going to sin. Watch. May it never be. Are we going to sin so grace abounds? No way. How shall we see? You might not have known this, but you're learning it right now if you're visiting, because I know you know it if you come here. How shall we who died to sin? See, you did not pray a prayer to go to heaven. You died to sin in your old life. If any man come after me, let him first deny. Why? You were never made for you. You were made for the image of God. So die to your image so you can take on his. What shall we say then, right? So, or do you not know? See, some of us don't know that all of us who were baptized into Christ have been baptized into his death. What's his death? We're going to find out. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death. What's his death? We'll find out. So that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his... What's his death? We'll find out. Certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, you've got to know this, that our old self was crucified with him. That's what about... Man, you go under, you say, everything I've ever been apart from him is dying in this moment. I am going under and I am dying and I am never looking back. That man is dying. I'm going to become a brand new man. And even as he died and went under, I'm going under. And even as he came up, I'm coming up. New life through Jesus Christ. This is awesome. Watch this. In order that our body of sin might be done away with, be done away with. Does that sound like, well, brother, you know we're always going to sin. Does it sound like, well, nobody's perfect. Well, what are you telling me? You don't have any sin? Throw that vocabulary totally out because it's very deceiving and very misleading and it's not from the Lord. It comes from human experience and it comes from people that fit that. And it becomes a justification and there's no repentance and they'll never change and they'll live their life in sin and plead the blood and impress no one with their life in Christ. And they'll be reduced to a doctrine instead of a transformed life. So that we would no longer be what? Wow. Verse 7, thanks. For he who has... Now, he who just prayed a prayer to heaven, he's probably not free. But he who understands he's dying to everything he's ever been, that's where freedom comes from. When you get rid of yourself, every sin stems from self-centered, self-serving stuff. The only reason you're angry is because you're thinking for yourself. The only reason you're jealous is because you're thinking for yourself. The only reason you envy and covet is yourself. Come on. He who has died is free. Now, if we have died with Christ, we still got to find out what he died to, right? We believe that we shall also live with him. 
knowing, there's knowing again, we better know this stuff, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is a master over him. Here's the death. We were buried in baptism, remember, into death. Here's his death. For the death he died, he died, oh my goodness, be buried in baptism into his death. What's his death? He died what? To sin once for what? But the life he lives, he lives to God. Oh my goodness. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to does that sound like, well, brother, we're always going to sin. Well, you know we're always going to We're never perfect. Are you perfect? What are you saying? You don't sin? Does this sound like that language? Wow. wonder why we preach it so prevalently across all denominations and circles. I wonder what we're justifying and keeping alive without realizing it. I wonder if we're forbidding grace to have its perfect effect. I wonder if we're suppressing God's ability to change us by wrong thinking. I wonder if it's dulling our hearts from even repenting because we believe it's who we are, so we're thankful to just be forgiven, not changed. Even so, consider this is your place, people. You don't have to believe this. This is your privilege. It's called living by faith, friends. You yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, don't let sin reign in your mortal body so that you'd obey it in its lust. And do you not, and do not go on presenting your members of your body to sin as instruments of sin leading to unrighteousness. But present yourself, picture yourself waking up in the morning with a wrong view. Just feel like, well, at least I'm forgiven. Praise God. I'm going to heaven. You do your little devotion but you're not expecting a changed life and you still get a little agitated at your boss and now you're bothered because you're working beside Jimmy and Jimmy is just a jerk. God, why don't you change him? Come on. Come on. That would be presenting yourself the same. So every day you wake up, the mindset you live in is what you present yourself to be. wonder if you wake up and present yourself clean, free, holy, righteous. Wow, God, I'm going to live by the Spirit today. Holy Spirit, I welcome you. Lead, guide, and direct. And if I live by the Spirit, I won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. You have given me a brand new heart, a brand new way. You have changed my life. That's the next part. Present yourself to God as those alive from the dead. Come on, we're not living for a better day. We've been transformed. And you're, meaning circumstantially, and your members and in, as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be the master over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. What that means is that even if you fail, you can run to God and become wiser and sharper and stay forgiven and stay closer to Him because now you realize how His grace is imperative in your life because on your own you'll fail, but in Him you won't. That's amazing. What, what then? Shall we just sin because we're not under the law and grace? Of course not. May it never be. Do you not know? See, do you hear how many times that phrase has been? It's so important to know. And we grew up in, well, what you don't know won't hurt you. Uh, What you don't know is destroying you and in all you're getting, get understanding. Do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as a slave for obedience, you are that slave to the one whom you obey, either sin resulting in death or obedience in righteousness? That's pretty clear, guys. But thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart, that form of teaching to which you were committed. That's why we teach this stuff. Oh, here we go again. The Bible can't be blaspheming, can it? Because the Bible says we're freed from sin. Wow. And having been freed from sin. I know preachers that will preach that and say, well now brother, no, you have to understand we're always subdued by it. We're never going to be actually free. And he'll turn around and preach his experience and justify his own weakness instead of believe the grace that changes me. Come on, I'm talking stern and strong right now. This is possible because it says so. Having been freed from sin, you became slaves of... I am speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh for just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity and lawlessness resulting in further lawlessness. So now present your members as slaves to righteousness resulting in 
sanctification. For when you were a slave of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Therefore, what benefit were you then deriving from the things which you are now ashamed? For the outcome of those things is death. But now, oh, here we go again. (laughs) Having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit resulting in sanctification and the outcome, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. Why would I keep my eyes there? But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Come on, how simple is that, guys? And this young man stood up and gave that word. My heart broke inside and I felt like it was the love of God for his people. He doesn't want you waking up one day believing less than what you were paid for to be. He doesn't want you taking account of things and and holding on to suffered wrongs and, and doing all the things we've been trained to do our whole lives. He wants you waking up every day and thinking about the gospel and keeping your eyes in the right place, wrecking yourself dead to sin and alive unto God in Christ Jesus. I'm telling you people, It'll change your every day because as you release faith in this truth, grace comes to make this truth your reality without you biting your lip to change. And all of a sudden, the joy of salvation comes into your life because you're a different person without working at it. All you've done is believe. It's amazing. Sounds like freedom to me. That sure beats trying hard and failing and then beating up yourself for failing and then saying, well, I guess I'll never make it and then drawing two steps back but still coming to church. That's a tormented place and don't any one of you ever live there because it robs you from your productivity, from your testimony, and from your legacy. Come on, if he didn't think you were worth his death, he would not have died. Nobody pays 50000 for a $20,000 car but he shed his blood for you. The cross must expose your value, huh? And remove the depravity and say, wow, you are really worth something and your life is really worth living. So if you're that person that didn't get it right and couldn't get it right and didn't feel like you had the, 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 the worth to stand in that atmosphere today, I believe God's talking strongly to you and say, while you were yet a sinner and even being alienated by the way your mind was working, I'm the one that did the work necessary to present you holy, blameless, and above reproach. You say, so how do I handle that, Pastor? You step out of darkness into light. You come over here, reckon yourself dead to sin. You say, Father, you see my life more than this behavior. You see my life more than this depravity, more than this habit. And God, you saw fit to put your son on the cross and die for me to wash me and make me clean. And you get alone with God and you lift your hands high and you say... I receive that you see me clean and I thank you that you love me and that through the cross I have no need to be ashamed because you're changing me. Thank you for your love. Change your life forever if you keep your eyes there. You hear me? I don't want one person to believe condemnation, guilt and shame in this room ever again. And I pray that if Roy ever asked that question again and you had raised your hand, you would look and you would weep and say, man, I remember not long ago I had to raise my hand because I was relating to yesterday. I have a brand new day and it's in him. I have the present and I have the things to come. I'm not Lot's wife. I'm his bride. You follow me? Why don't you do something? I'm going to turn over Roy. Stand to your feet with me. I just want to pray over you guys. And if he wants to do anything or pray for anybody, I'll let it up to him. I just felt like teaching you all this morning. I hope you got something out of this. And never, ever, 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 ever That was on purpose, that dramatization there. Is condemnation ever the will of God? Ever. He did not send his son to condemn you. He did not send his son to condemn you. Feeling sorry in your heart? Thinking twice? Second guessing? It's all good and healthy. Don't let it take you to condemnation. Let let it take you to him. Way back at Adam and Eve's day, he himself apparently stripped off their fig leaves and slipped animal skins down over them to cover them. What was it symbolic of? Of course the blood covenant. But what else? A righteous judgment. Because if every day they woke up in them fig leaves, what are they conscious of? The day they ate that tree and disobeyed God. But every day they wake up in them animal skins, what are they conscious of? 
the day he loved them, came, cut a covenant, and gave them a promise, and still loved them. Way back in Genesis 3, you can only already find righteousness. You don't have to turn many pages. You can see that he's a just and righteous judge. And even though man deserved judgment, God was still proclaiming righteousness. And he said, there is a seed coming, and he's going to crush the head of that enemy. Lift your hands with me like Roy asked earlier. Please, don't think I'm controlling you. Don't think it's hyper-charismatic. It's just surrender and yielding to God. It's a simple gesture. By lifting your hands, I believe, I believe that we can do this together as one. By lifting your hands, you're just simply saying, I receive your love, and I believe you love me. And I believe that my life has great value to you, and that you're teaching me and opening my heart to see it more every day. You're causing me to be a blessing to those around me. You're teaching me how to love. Lord God, I release everything of me and everything contrary to truth. And I just ask you to father me and walk me in this journey and make me and mold me and shape me everything you've desired from the beginning. By lifting up my hands, I'm saying I'm yours. Let your grace have its perfect work in me. Let your grace have its perfect effect. I thank you for loving me unfailingly. And I thank you for working something so good in me. Build integrity and character in me like never before by letting me see like never before. And I give myself to you and I thank you for the way you see me. Wow, watch this. And I say to you, Lord, I'm going to continue to purpose to see myself this way as I leave here and every day after. Lord God, you are not mad at me. You have called me forth. I will not turn away from you. I will look right to you. You have done a good thing in me because you know my life is worth it. Thank you for making me what you always intended me to be. I'm going to run with you. In Jesus' holy name. Amen? Amen. Amen.